And just like that, Lent has begun. It feels like it was just Christmas, but here we go. It is the beginning of our season, 40 days of preparation and renewal, getting us ready for the joyful celebration of Easter. In the invitation to a Holy Lent that is part of the Ash Wednesday service, we lay out, or the prayer book, to be more specific, lays out the history of Lent in just a few sentences. Historically, Lent was the season of the church when new converts to the faith would would prepare for baptism, in other words, prepare to join the community of the faithful, and when those who had been separated from the church by notorious sins could be restored and reconciled to the community. Forty days to be made ready to join or to rejoin the community of God's people. So Lent gives us a reminder of God's forgiveness, God's welcome, God's invitation, and our need to repent, to turn around, to reset, and to reclaim that forgiveness. As Father Frank said in his sermon on Wednesday, it's not just about the chocolate. This season is serious business. A season of healing and reconciliation. A time to mend broken relationships and end our isolation from one another. These 40 days are our chance to set things right. We could all, I think, use a little time to work on getting back into right relationship. And our two scripture stories take us right there to the breaking and the healing of relationship. Adam and Eve meant to be symbols for all of us of our humanity, created by God, put into the garden, living in a world of mutual trust with one another and with God. But then they are tempted and they fall prey to distrust and to pride, and they pull away from God and from one another. Whose fault is it? It's her fault. It's his fault. It's the serpent's fault. Even in that question of blame, the problem is made clear. The union that we were made for between us and God and between us and each other is broken. But then we come to Jesus in the wilderness, preparing for his ministry, clarifying his vocation, knowing, maybe fearing, that if he chooses to follow this path, he will have to give up everything. And 40 days in the wilderness, he struggles with this. And he grapples with that temptation to stay separate, not to reconnect in that union, to be self-sufficient, to gather power into himself, to distrust God's mercy and provision for his life. But 
Through scripture and prayer and fasting, he resists. And he stays steadfast in his faith in God. And because he sets forth on his path, we are shown the way back to ours. The way of Jesus leads us back to love and to life lived in union again. But looking at the world as it is now, it is obvious that this temptation to separate and pull away from one another remains just as strong as ever. To pull off into groups and tribes at war and conflict with each other. We're one year into the Russian war on Ukraine and so many more years into endless other wars and conflicts within our country and around the globe. And the temptation also to pull ourselves away and isolate ourselves from God and even from those we love. Our collective mental health is at an all-time low, manifesting most of all in our young people. And isolation and loneliness is the new pandemic. We continue to succumb to that temptation to disconnect from the ground of our being and from union in love. And we suffer because of it. You could say that this temptation to disconnect comes to us naturally. I've been reading a few books on animal cultures, exploring the idea that cultural differences can be observed in animals in the wild. We've tended only to use the word culture to refer to human society. But learned and shared behavior and language is there to be seen among animals as well. Even amongst others of their own species, animals will gather into groups, associating with those who vocalize the same, who make the same kinds of sounds, or who have the same hunting habits, even with those who share the same perception of what is beautiful. Orcas in northern Puget Sound, for example, won't mix with orcas of southern Puget Sound, even though they're genetically the same. Certain flocks of Amazon parrots make sounds that can only be described as a regional dialect distinct and different from the sounds made by other parrots in another part of the rainforest, and they won't speak to one another. Crows make tools and pass along the techniques for how to do that so that their whole flock does it all one way, but then it's different from how another flock of crows in another place make their tools. Animals have distinct cultures, even tribes. And apparently there is something natural about gathering together with those who share a common culture, but also natural about fighting with those 
who aren't part of that culture. And yet most of us humans feel called to reach beyond those natural differences, to find the common humanity that we share despite these distinctions of culture or language or color. Babies seem to do this most naturally of all. We all have to work at it as we get older. It's one of our ongoing struggles of living together in a diverse world, seeking to move beyond differences, to live into the vision that is there in our hearts and souls, the vision of connection across all peoples. That's a way that we're called, you could say, to move beyond what comes naturally to us, the temptation to separate into us versus them. And that's one kind of reconciliation work that we are called to do as Christians. Hard work as we interrogate our own assumptions, our own behaviors, our own souls. And yet in other ways, we struggle to be living in a natural way. We animals, we social animals, like other social animals, need to be with one another. We need one another to survive and to thrive. And yet we humans seem to be somewhat unique in that temptation to pull away even from others of our group, to withdraw, to try to go entirely alone, to act as if we can be self-sufficient and a God unto ourselves. It is not good that the man should be alone, God says in the creation story, and so God creates more human beings and animals to be in relationship with one another, naked and vulnerable to each other and to God. But as that story is a symbol of, we find so many ways to turn from that relationship, so many ways to wall ourselves off even from our family and our friends and so many ways to wall ourselves off from God at our very center. That, you could say, is not natural at all, but we do it all the same. So another kind of reconciliation we are called to is to restore natural relationship with others around us and with the source of life within us. So our invitation for you this Holy Lent is to work on that kind of reconciliation, to work on connecting to God and to one another again. These last few years of crisis have been a long strange time, and I think that we have lost some of our sense of how to be in right relationship with others. Lent is a great time to reset, 
to stop and turn to a new path, which is the meaning of repent. Time to wonder and explore. What are the habits of life that we have maybe fallen into over these last few years that are keeping us from connection with others and with God? Let me name some possibilities. Perhaps a little too much indulgence of the instinct to stay in and watch something on the screen. Perhaps a little too often that fear of other people as agents of contagion and not human beings. Perhaps some social awkwardness because we have spent so much time with no one besides our family or maybe not even them. Perhaps too much consumption of alcohol. Maybe the temptation to see others in categories rather than as people, as our political discourse has urged us of late. Perhaps a little too much attention to our own fragility and what triggers us. And let's be honest, maybe just plain laziness because it's just too much work to put on our shoes and go outside. These are some of the notorious sins that have been separating us from one another. But they're not inevitable. They're just habits, and we can break them with God's help. And instead, in their place, we can nurture those habits that lead us back into right relationship with one another. The basics of Lent, prayer, fasting, and self-denial, reading and studying of God's Holy Scripture, all of those things that the Church says every year at this time, setting that prayer time aside so that we can sit in a place of vulnerability with God. Finding time to read from scripture, from other nourishing pieces of literature that give us wisdom for our path. Even following some of the tips and tools of the world of these days, the New York Times a few weeks ago suggested the eight-minute phone call making an eight-minute phone call each week to a long-lost friend. Prayer, study, conversation with a small group, with a spiritual companion, coming regularly to church, where you mix with people that you may or may not know all that well, and cultivating curiosity about other people who think or talk or maybe even vote differently than you, to know and understand them beyond the news headlines or the curated feeds of our social media. Looking more deeply to find our shared common humanity.
This is work that we need to do as human beings, as people of faith, in this time and this place. And it is work that our world needs us to model and to share as well, to even do it a little bit better. Look at those people in that church, how beautifully they live in relationship with one another and with the world around them. I want to be part of that. I am hungry for that. Ours is a reconciling faith, this message of Jesus, reconciling those who have been opposed to each other in this life and reconciling us to the, to the deep love of God at our core. The good news of Easter lies there ahead of us, not very far off. And it's news that we can celebrate together in community, restored to God and to one another. So in these 40 days of Lent and beyond, may God help us to overcome our temptations and lead us into hopefulness and joy. Amen.